You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Alpha Graphics. On this weekly talk show, we invite an expert to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. There have been so many people and valuable advice. So make sure to tune in every single week at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions at all for any of the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section and we will get to them throughout the show. Today's guest is Azim Daya. Azim is a professional accountant and project manager who helps communities progress through management of charitable projects that allow believers to help each other and everyone else. But who best to explain it than Azim himself? Azim, salam alaikum. How are you today? I'm excellent. Alhamdulillah. How are you I'm and everyone else well. on the show? Thank you so much. I'm doing very well. Um, so there is quite a bit that you do um, in that little just one line. Uh, and it, it, it's kind of put into two parts, the accounting, which is the professional part, and then the project manable, ma- manager for the charitable, charitable projects, right? That's correct. So let's start off with telling us a bit about your professional accountant side. Okay, uh, I run a ch- chartered professional accounting uh, firm. Uh, we have uh, between uh, six to 10 staff, depending on the season. And uh, we provide uh, basically all accounting services, uh, tax compliance, uh, audits. Uh, and from, from a business perspective, we also do consulting, business consulting, helping startups and uh, not-for-profit organizations uh, mm-hmm. uh, with, their, uh, with their growth and their requirements and the startup uh, challenges. Is this what you always wanted to go into and pursue? Um, I always wanted to um, to to provide uh, leadership uh, in in a Muslim organization. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of my uh, dreams when I was young, and uh, and also wanted to have my own business that allowed gave me that that would give me the flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I was younger, of course, uh, I was, my dreams of a business was very different from when reality came and. Uh, accounting firm was the way Allah SWT chose for me to mm-hmm. to have a business and have the ability to to do charitable projects and also uh, as as part of my career um, I tried to get in skills that 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 would help me in this way mm-hmm. uh, in this in CPA charter professional accounting uh, the the career the coursework and and experience uh, is is actually a a very was a very good career path for me to build the foundation foundational skills and knowledge base uh, and then top it up with project management skills and the, where I became a PMP uh, mm-hmm. that basically completed um, I shouldn't say completed there's always more to learn and, and more skills to develop but it gave me the yeah. foundation to do what I needed to do. You've had quite a few bumps on the road um, along the way and you started your uh, career and you studied in Kenya. Can you tell us about that process of moving from Kenya to the States? Yeah, I, I lived in uh, Kenya. I grew up in a place Mombasa. Then I went uh, at a senior high school in a, in a boarding school in Kikuyu. It was the best school in the country. It was a, a boarding school. So that was actually uh, learned a lot uh, in those few years. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, went to the University of Nairobi. At the same time, I got uh, married and uh, started having a family. Um, I, I believed in uh, getting over the family responsibility as quickly as I could so that... Uh, 
you know, just the process of, you know, marrying and getting kids and all that's, you know, it's the... Uh, Get I that headache to... over with. <laughs> <laughs> you hit me on the head. <laughs> so, so that was very exciting. So, so that, uh, so that worked out. So, so when yeah. I finished my, uh, I, I chose a course, uh, a Bachelor of Science in Food Science and Technology is just that because Kenya is an agricultural country, the mm-hmm. opportunities in the food industry is quite high. Uh, so becoming a food technologist, uh, you know, working in uh, any food industries, you know, whether it's uh, Coca-Cola or Nestle or Unilever uh, was uh, was what I was hoping. And then using the experience to, you know, set up uh, whether it was a bakery or a, a ketchup plant producing ketchup and all that. So that was my my dream at that time is that I would, I would I would get experience in the food industry and then set up my own uh, manufacturing, food manufacturing uh, plant. How far did you get in that process? On, uh, I did work in a food industry for s- some time, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, as a family, we decided uh, for the kids' education and f- and for myself, uh, the career development, uh, I wanted to go uh, to a, a country like Canada or mm-hmm. Western country. Uh, so that's uh, that's what we worked. So we sold whatever we had, and uh, um, myself, my wife, and two kids, we moved uh, to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, and uh, we started our life uh, there. Oh, sorry, my uh, correction on my end. Uh, it was Canada, not the States. <laughs> yes, it's Canada. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful um, so, British Columbia. I want to say yeah, that beautiful. again. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um, most amazing landscape you'll see. Um, so what, how did you begin your career in, uh, BC? Uh, as, as immigrants, you know, you take in whatever you can get. Uh, my first, of course, my first job was dishwashing in a cafe. Uh, so I survived that two weeks and then, uh, went on to sales. Uh, then I would go in door to door sales, uh, all over British Columbia, uh, Came worked in a few months in Ontario and mm-hmm. uh, went all the way to to uh, Whitehorse in uh, Yukon. So so it's very exciting. I think that gave me the the foundation uh, to to be able to meet uh, to be able to meet new people, build relationships, uh, you know, in, improve my sales skills. Uh, I learned a lot about Canada in mm-hmm. in those. Uh, those few years and I thought I think that all gave me the foundation to really uh, build my career in, in in this country. Did you choose your career based on um, your previous uh, let's say aspirations and dreams or was it based on what was demanded of uh, or what was in demand at the time in Canada? That's correct. Uh, my wife looked at the jobs and said accounting has a lot of jobs. I said, okay, mm-hmm. I go into accounting. <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Allah Spantal has given me the ability that I can love whatever I do. So, yeah. so I didn't have a challenge with that. So if accounting was a way to put food on my te- uh, food on the table, then uh, then that was it. And I, I, I loved it. And I always say, I, I like Confucius saying that uh, if you do what you love in your life, then you don't have to work ever in your life right Mm -hmm. so in essence if i love my work then it's not like i'm working so i'm always uh always on a holiday i'm just theoretically but uh but yeah so accounting uh so i went into 
public practice, started working in public practice, started doing, taking courses to, to get my uh, designation as a professional accountant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it took me around four to five years to get my uh, CPA and, um, and then build my experience uh, working in different uh, industries and different uh, uh forms and mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I started in the public practice and then I went into industries so I worked in different industries so that gave me a wide uh, a wide uh, variety of experience now while you were studying were you also working at the time yeah I, I used to work full-time and then uh, study but like study in the evenings and and take uh, okay. online courses mm -hmm. so, three, so that sometimes... made it more manageable yeah, yeah. It was challenging because of the family working full time, you know, trying to do sometimes two to four courses per semester was uh, was demanding. But Alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah SWT, uh, managed to go through all that. Now, the bigger question that comes to my mind is usually, like you said, they tell you um, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. Um, but do you believe that you can learn to love what you do? I think that is very that's very possible. It's it's at the end of the day, it's mindset. If you really train your mind, uh, you can love whatever you do. So, so, and of course, there is the your passion is also a contributing factor. Yeah. But if you can you can balance both of that, uh, that uh, you might have some liking for something, maybe, in, and then with uh, with time and with the proper mindset, you can learn to love it and. Uh, and so, as you, we all need to put food on the table. It's very important that uh, we identify uh, which uh, which careers or which uh, work is that we might like, and then work towards that and build that uh, love for it. So create that balance between something you do enjoy and something that there's still demand for. That's correct. That's very important because if you if you say I must do only do what I enjoy, then uh, sometimes it becomes very challenging to put food on the table and, and look after the family. And then it becomes a job that you maybe don't like anymore. That's correct because you'll end up then looking for because you have to work, so you'll work yeah. in a place where you you totally don't like it because your 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 passion was totally something different. But if you mm -hmm. sort of uh, uh, you know something you like little build that up where there's a demand, then uh, then that's excellent. Now moving on to you running your own business, uh, why did you decide to to do that? Um, as I said, I always wanted to be in my own business, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, but there were several aspects to it. One aspect which I really, uh, which was very important for me, is practicing my faith. So, so I need to, uh, even when I was working, I would take uh, you know a couple of hours off on Friday for Juma. I would uh, mm -hmm. I would try I would try to look for a space to pray, whether it's in a storage uh, room or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was. Uh, that was quite a challenge. So I thought if I have my own business, then I can put in the systems or put in proceed, I mean, uh, create a culture where we can practice our faith. Mm -hmm. So Alhamdulillah, so that was very good. So, you know, my, you know, farm, you know, we take two hours off on Fridays. We, we take off for Eid, uh, any, hol any religious holiday we can take yeah. off and, um, and the flexibility. And then we have a place for people to pray in the office and everybody can pray when like, you know they're comfortable to pray, mm -hmm. uh, and if the women, if you, sisters are working in the farm, they can wear hijab, and uh, so that was very, very important for me. 
And also the other thing was that it gave me the flexibility then to do more than just, uh, you know, just business. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I wanted to get involved in volunteering and all that, it allowed me, gave me the flexibility. So these were mm-hmm. some of the reasons. Uh, of course, there are others, uh, others also. And I think there's uh, a bit of that system that you're talking about that's missing within um, Western societies where Muslims will be in the workforce. Uh, it's been implemented a bit, but how far, how much progress do you think we've done in that? Um, so Alhamdulillah, I'm not sure about, but in Vancouver, uh, we have actually very progressed quite a lot. So we have, Alhamdulillah, a lot of Muslim brothers that have uh, established prayer places in uh, like bigger corporation. Yeah. Uh, so they have a place for prayer and, and, and I mean, they call it the interfaith room, yeah. but, <laughs> but Muslims use most of the time. So, so that has been very successful. Absolutely. In Vancouver, we, Alhamdulillah, we have uh, opened up small, small, uh, what you call musallas, Friday prayer facilities mm-hmm. in whether it's libraries or different places for prayers. So, so allowing people that are working around that area to come and uh, pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in downtown Vancouver now, we have uh, uh, at least uh, two to three, no, at least three places uh, for prayer, for mm-hmm. Juma prayers. So establishing prayer places for prayers everywhere has allowed uh, you know people to, where they're working, practice their faith. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your public practice a bit. Um, what exactly do you do? Uh, the public practice, I, as, as I said, uh, we help uh, all the way from individual pers- individuals to, to file their taxes, to, corporation, to mm-hmm. corporations. And we also do uh, accounting, admin, IT uh, mm-hmm. support for uh, a few bigger corporations. Uh, so, so we have uh, from the smallest uh, to the to a large uh, to a fair-sized uh, corporation where we provide them uh, with this government compliance, audit, tax, accounting uh, services. And you started off wanting to provide those services to small Muslim organizations to give them that professional help, right? That's correct, and that was one. That was one of the things I didn't mention is that uh, having a public accounting firm and knowing that small organizations, uh, especially in the Muslim organization, are always struggling for professional help, and uh, and because they don't get that help, uh, then they get into they can't expand. They they get in yeah. trouble with the with the government. So <laughs> it was very important uh, mm-hmm. for us to provide that service, that professional. So my firm would uh, provide the service at a, at a you know, subsidized cost. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would go and volunteer and help them out in, uh, in you know, running an AGM or in yeah. different uh, capacities, uh, advising them on. Uh, so that was, uh, that really gave me the opportunity to uh, help a lot of, uh, some of the small uh, mm-hmm. Muslim organizations. And I think that was the foundation for whatever I came, whatever was waiting for me. Yeah, establishing. This sort of, yeah, this sort of uh, inspired your charitable projects. That's correct, and it also gave me the 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 people. To, I knew people in the, the Muslim community. The connections, yeah, yeah. that is very critical uh, when you're working in Muslim a faith-based organization. That you have the right connections with the people involved in the community. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit more about these charitable projects. Uh, we say charitable projects and it's very broad, but they are very specific things. That's correct. 
so so yeah so i used to volunteer as i said in different muslim organizations but uh, but in 2010 uh, with a group of other like-minded individuals uh, we set, we started the muslim food bank and community services uh, society mm-hmm. the idea was uh, we saw uh, there was a need there was a challenge there was a need by the muslim communities we saw them in the local food banks when we mm-hmm. went to volunteer we saw them lining up there for food and most of them was not halal food that they were getting so so they couldn't of course benefit from uh, from a lot of the local food banks mm-hmm. and and some of them who are new did not understand the concept of halal or haram so mm-hmm. they would just take the food thing they would uh, you know that's all fine there's nothing wrong because coming from a majority muslim yeah. country you don't really realize all these things still after some time mm-hmm. so it was so so we wanted to give halal food to the needy uh, especially with dietary restrictions like halal kosher and vegans yeah and and that uh, that led us to you know s- setting up our own food bank and working with the local food banks in it that we do dietary restrictions and they do the the general population. How did the food bank start? So we uh, as we we got a, as I said some of us came together we realized the need and then we decided that uh, we want to do something about it. Uh, we called a town hall meeting, got a buy-in from the community. And then uh, we set up uh, from, we started from uh, one of the volunteers uh, garage in the house and we would collect and buy food, mm-hmm. pack it, and uh, we would have volunteers that would deliver the food to the, to the needy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was getting too much, like we were getting, uh, the need was getting more. So then we decided to work from a small mosque in Surrey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started distributing the food from there. And at that point, we encouraged the clients to come to us. So we would go and pick uh, up the people from okay. the SkyTrain station uh, and bring them to the mosque and then create an environment. Because the idea also was to create sort of a community type of atmosphere where people, you know, go to know each other, build a network, mm-hmm. and they could help each other out, you know. So that was uh, one of the reasons that we encouraged people to come over to us instead of us delivering. Yeah. And um, I think that was a good strategy because then from there, we as we grew, we moved to a rented out small warehouse, mm-hmm. um, not too far from where we were. Uh, we have to be near a public uh, transportation. So it was the location was critical. So gone. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say now you um, started uh, with the food bank and you realized that this was helping, but it wasn't a long-term solution. Uh, what was your long-term solution? So the, the, the main idea, the main desire was not only to give them the food, a short-term intervention, but uh, looking at a long-term intervention, help them uh, progress um, to become self-reliant, you know? So, <clears throat> so, so, you know, give the, fi- the Chinese saying goes, right? Give a fishing rod. Uh, and teach them how to fish, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was the idea behind Aspire. Aspire stands for actualizing self-reliance by providing inspiration, resources, and education. Mm-hmm. So, so that was what uh, we started then building, and the, that was the idea behind them coming and to us, and and that way we could uh, you know interact with them, advise them, build connections. And uh, and then we structured the program in a way that we now trained ordinary volunteers, anybody over 18, 
to be to become what we call caseworkers. You need okay. that they they build a relationship with these clients, a fam- one family, for example, one to one, and and then help them in this different whether it's employment, education, skills development, um, and other challenges. Uh, so in the process. Uh, we had to do. We had to have a social worker engaged because some of the cases were quite uh, uh, because we were refugees have a PTSD a challenge of PTSD mental health mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. So we we had to make sure we have the the capacity to deal with those challenges as they come up. Because when our case workers volunteers are working with some of the cases, we have to ensure they're properly supervised and also trained uh, yeah. by s- s- licensed social workers that uh, can underst- that can know what to- can deal with this when mm-hmm. issues become out of control yeah. so that was very important uh, we realized this in the earlier stages so we we put in all the we started building our processes our training our human resources mm-hmm. and uh, and training so we probably too late we might have trained maybe five, 600 uh, caseworkers and uh, wow. 80 to 100 caseworkers are um, currently working in different areas in, in the lower mainland Fraser Valley. Uh, so it's very exciting. Um, now, in terms of the Aspire program, uh, what branches are there? There's a lot of branches that people can go to for certain things. Uh, that's correct. So Aspire, so basically the food bank is uh, divided into two uh, two divisions. One, mm-hmm. the food bank deals with uh, more physical items like food, clothing. Uh, so they provide refugee support, as in when the refugees uh, come, government-sponsored refugees come to Vancouver. Uh, we are one of the first organizations that get notified. And uh, when they go to the temporary location, we send a welcome box, uh, toiletries. And if mm-hmm. there's a need of baby items, we will send it there. Um, then or the food bank itself, we collect... Uh, used clothes or good good like good clothes mm-hmm. uh, we collect baby items uh, because baby items baby clothes they're not used much but they're very expensive i mean to buy new so so to recycle them is is for in the community it's uh, it's it gives a lot of value to the clients mm-hmm. because i mean imagine saving uh, hundreds of dollars in you know buying baby items with this baby chair baby pram mm-hmm. uh, diapers uh, and things like that. So baby clothes, like some of those clothes are almost brand new. Some of them are brand new because, you know, they get people get gifts and <laughs> too many use them. Yeah. <laughs> use them. So, so the clients uh, being able to get access to that, uh, you know, it, it helps them in their, mm-hmm. in their, you know, short term challenges. Yeah. So, so the food bank deals with all this other, all the stuff that is physical then we have the community services, the Aspire community services that deals with um, intangibles, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, casework, you know, employment support, education. We run uh, summer school for the kids, uh, especially of the refugee families that come. So to help them, you know, keep up with the public school system, uh, you know, English, math, science, uh, we, 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 so it's taught there. We run a soccer training program for kids. Um, digital storytelling for youths. So it's, and right now we are currently uh, piloting the senior support programs, um, which we've been working on for a few years. Uh, but I think now it's the time when we, we're looking at really expanding that program. Yeah. 
so, so in essence, our Aspire community services deals with challenges in the community. So it prevents uh, poverty, sort of to prevent challenges, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, for youths, it's drugs or alcohol. Um, or other challenges which in which in the western pers- western communities really struggle with mm-hmm. uh, and uh, these are the ch- challenges which uh, you know people coming from majority muslim countries um, it's the challenges are different so in the west we have different type of challenges uh, we have more challenges of loneliness mental health you know lack of connections lack of support from families or community so all this then can lead to to poverty and dependence and mm-hmm. our aim is to get the, everybody to become independent to become progressive and and as a result the whole community uh, progresses mm-hmm. And this is putting um, a system in place that will allow for this to happen long term. That's correct. A system mm-hmm. that is, uh, inshallah, it becomes sustainable, scalable, inshallah. and uh, and and brings the hearts of uh, believers together. Inshallah. Now, one question I have for you is: Are you ever not working? <laughs> As I said, because I enjoy my work, I'm always not working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but no, Alhamdulillah, I try to I try very very hard to balance life. It's very mm-hmm. difficult, but uh, but the good thing is, Alhamdulillah, the, my family is also involved in uh, in in the projects, so that uh, that allows me to have family time while I'm doing my community work. Yeah. So those are the ways I would try to go around. Uh, because yeah, it's uh, it's always uh, on holidays. I'm with my laptops and my uh, yeah, I'm always the laptops and uh, working away. <laughs> but technology helps. Alhamdulillah, that allows me to travel mm-hmm. and at least physically be there. Although mind and emotionally, I might not be there. But yeah. uh, so I travel with the family and then uh, and then wor- work at the same. While they're sleeping, I'm sometimes working. <laughs> you know, so so Alhamdulillah. Now, what's the long-term goal of the Aspire program? Uh, what are you looking to implement in the next few years? So, inshallah, now that uh, we have finally uh, moved into a bigger warehouse that's our own, like we bought uh, a warehouse, uh, empty warehouse, uh, a new, new, new building, and we built up the food bank and the training center in it. And uh, so, alhamdulillah, March 1st of this year, we moved in. So, this year has been a milestone for us. Wow. Uh, so, so now we have a property that, inshallah, uh, will uh, will be used to serve humanity um, till the day of judgment, inshallah. Inshallah. So, so that was a big milestone for us because um, the the for sustainability, the always worry was that uh, the next team that comes and 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 takes over from us, will they be able to you know rent because it's very difficult to rent a place for a food bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants it's very people don't want to rent to a food bank so mm-hmm. uh, so 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 that was a challenge alhamdulillah last month Allah helped us to uh, deal with it but for the the next team that comes um, to make it easier for them it was very important to get the property uh, we of course we're still looking for funds to pay off the loan we have a loan on it mm-hmm. but uh, at least now we we can say that this building is on our own mm-hmm. So Alhamdulillah, after that now allows us to now do the second uh, expansion because the vision is that uh, we want to especially take the Aspire program 
and uh, collaborate with organizations, uh, you know, all over the country and in the future globally, and um, and 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 build that system. So, inshallah, one day the dream is to have maybe a, a ten thousand caseworkers all over the world connected. Uh, you know, people with uh, businesses, students, academicians, uh, psychologists, uh, social workers, you know, all this uh, different type of uh, skills people have and knowledge base people have, connect them together so that we can provide the support to help uh, each other and everyone else to, you know, progress in their lives, in their journey in this world. Mm -hmm. uh, the more bigger infrastructure and the more bigger connections we have uh, and we build capacity in our uh, in our community members all over the world will allow us to really progress because that's in my opinion uh, alhamdulillah we build we put in a lot of money in uh, to build uh, buildings and 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 uh, you know capital type of projects but we in my opinion we haven't spent enough to build the human resources and that's why uh, our focus is you know training up and building capacity connecting people and and using a structure to then help everyone i mean people do good in their own small ways the only mm -hmm. thing is it's not sustainable and it's not scalable uh, mm -hmm. and even the way we do good sometimes we can be uh, not uh, giving value to the people who are receiving because then they become dependent so our our aim is to have a different mindset in helping people where the idea is to not make dependent on us, but make them independent so that they can progress. And sometimes they can, the, the, the people who are mentoring them, they can, they might become better than the mentors themselves and they become the future mentors and the cycle continues. Interesting. And then they create a bigger impact on a larger scale. That's correct. Uh, thank you so much for uh, all of your valuable advice and honestly, for traveling from Kenya to Canada to create this impact um, and this change. Uh, before we end our show today, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners? My final, I, I want to encourage and uh, ask uh, you if you do want to volunteer or you want to make have an impact in our communities uh, if you can get in touch with us and uh, let us at least uh, if uh, build relationships build connections and uh, and work together for a greater good um, inshallah. inshallah thank you so much azim for your time today Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to uh, come on this show and uh, talking to you and you and the li listeners. Uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. It was our pleasure having you. Thank you. Um, before we end the show completely, we just wanted to let you know that the Omoja Outreach Foundation would like to invite you to the Emoja Games, where over 870 participants from 53 mosques will be participating in an exciting soccer tournament. You can now join as a volunteer or as a fan as participants of all ages, boys and girls take the field. You were just listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. If you have any questions for uh, the speaker from today's show or any of the future shows, you can always ask or hear the replay on the UMentor website. Thank you for listening to our Facebook Live today. <laughs>